Hello, you're listening to the Up Spiral Leadership Podcast with your hosts, Poe Chu, Rebecca Breitling, and Sue Covelli-Buntley. This podcast is dedicated to helping leaders at all levels to think bigger, act bolder, and collaborate better in order to create positive change even when it's hard. Join us as we explore journeys toward a world where everyone is running to co-create a better future because they feel valued, inspired, and connected. Hello, this is Poe Chu, and I am here with my co-hosts, Rebecca Breitling and Sue Cavalli-Buntley. We are excited to introduce our guest for today, Joel Wright. We know Joel from about five years ago through the Leadership Forum, which I believe is one of the world's longest running leadership conference in the world, because as of this July, the Leadership Forum community will be celebrating 103 years of convening thought leaders and educators and professionals from a variety of industries and backgrounds and from around the world to discuss and address human issues that exist in organizations, in educational institutions, as well as in our society. And when the Leadership Forum became a not-for-profit organization in December 2019, Joel became the founding president of the Leadership Forum community. In addition to that, Joel is currently launching Democratizing Leadership Exchange, which is a resource hub for schools, educators, parents, and youth. Prior to that, Joel served the Sri Lanka YMCA, where he witnessed how leadership training empowered people to respond to the Indian Ocean tsunami. And he spent 12 years with the Center for Creative Leadership, innovating ways to democratize leadership development, where he and his team pioneered a new line of business, creating new products, leadership development approaches, and frameworks. Joel is a leadership architect, a social entrepreneur, an innovator, and a facilitator of leadership and organizational development focused on this very inspiring question that we all should pay attention to. What would the world look like if all young people had access to leadership development? Joel, welcome to our podcast. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, great to be here with you three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't we get started? Um, we want to give you a chance to maybe share a little bit more about yourself. But what I would love to hear a little bit more about is your service in Sri Lanka. Tell us a little bit more because I keep seeing your there's an artifact in your background that I see all the time. And I would love for you to tell the story about it. Yeah, so the, the artifact, it's really the teardrop, you know, the, the island of Sri Lanka, they call it a teardrop off of the southern shore of India. So the story is actually my wife and I, two weeks after getting married, we went to live and work as world service workers with the YMCA in Sri Lanka. And I had been contracted to launch a secretary's leadership program. So think about secretaries as young professionals, executive directors, directors and such, and also help them launch a residential camping program. And so leadership has always been something that I've been drawn to and been doing. While there, I really got to witness how people being introduced to leadership that hadn't experienced it before, you could see them really flip the switch from being a disempowered leader or individual to one that has agency. And so it was fascinating to go from, I don't see myself as a leader to, oh, I see how I can contribute to the leadership process. And that was significant. And, and that question you asked about what would the world look like if all young people had access to leadership development? I didn't have that question when I was there, 
but it was like I was seeing early signals of it or it was incubating inside me that that was a question that I really wanted to spend a lot of my life and career addressing and working towards. So I can share a lot more about Sri Lanka, but the short side of it is while there, six months into our experience as a newly married couple, the tsunami came through and it was incredibly emotional and traumatic and eye-opening. But what we needed to do is we needed to help respond to the tsunami. And so we tapped all of these secretaries, these young professionals and youth, and really continued to do leadership development with them and a whole bunch of international volunteers that came through. And we used those leadership skills as a way to prepare and arm them with the ability to be more collaborative as they worked in communities and with each other during a really challenging time. And then the quick short story of this on the backside is after working with the Center for Creative Leadership, I went back there a few years later and interviewed a number of these students, some of these young professionals, not students, excuse me. And, you know, I asked them what enabled them to step up and respond to the tsunami in these leader roles, because many of them were tapped into regional leadership response roles. And so their response was the leadership training which I process that a little bit because I know that they always like to honor people that they know. So there might've been a bias that I was the one interviewing them and them saying, yes, it was the leadership training that I provided them. So there might've been some bias there, but I think I've seen it now over and over that when people are given a little bit of leadership development, it really unlocks an amazing amount of potential in them. And so that's been a driving question, you know, is just how do we get this to more people? You know, how do we democratize it so that everyone has access? Because it shouldn't be a pedagogy of privilege. Right. I think, you know, I have shared with you before, Joel, how the whole concept of democratizing leadership is it just resonate with me. Resonate, I think, with all of us. Right. We believe that leadership development should not be for certain people with a leadership title or in organization where they might be recognized as the leader. It's, you know, we really believe that leaders are everywhere. Leaders should exist, you know, in all of us. And I love the idea of democratizing leadership so that everybody has that opportunity to, to your point, like let our potential shine, right? So that's yeah, really yeah, Poe, we, we've talked about this on and off for years, as well as Rebecca and Sue, you know, it's everyone has leadership potential inside them, right? And so we need to pivot from the concept of, yes, leadership can be positional, and it is positional, but it's also much more of this collaborative process that we all contribute to. And, you know, I, I learned a lot more about that leadership process when I was working at CCL. And so, you know, they've done their own lit review and, you know, developed a framework that really helps you understand, you know, that direction alignment commitment are the three outcomes that are important to leadership. And so helping somebody go from positional to process helps them have agency in how they can contribute to, you know, working and leading with others. Can you talk a little bit more about the work you've done in terms of democratizing leadership in youth? Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. Yeah, so that's certainly a a passion, a calling of sorts. And, you know, in Sri Lanka, like I said, that's really where 
I witnessed firsthand how powerful it can be to work with young people. Because if you think about investing in young people, you're talking about dividends that then show up over their entire life, right? And so that's just so important. And, you know, even at CCL, when we were doing some of this democratizing leadership work, we would talk to senior leaders that would come through programs there, and they would all say, I wish I got this when I was younger. And when I was there, we conducted a survey and we had 462 people respond to this survey, leaders across all different levels, different organizations, heavily skewed towards U.S. and Western countries, but there was a larger demographic. And 90% of those respondents said that it should be a part of every student's journey. So that concept of student's journey is, is critical to your question, Rebecca, because as we were doing some of this work within CCL to think about democratizing leadership, we started to think about, well, if we need to get it to all people, how do we get it to all people, all young people in schools? And so that question we asked in the survey gave us a data point to say, hey, look, these people say that it should be happening earlier and it should be a part of every student's experience. And so that really drove us down the road of doing more of this and thinking about how do we integrate it into schools? And what a challenge there because Educators are so busy. I mean, think about the COVID reality right now. It's like they're working three jobs right now. And how do you ask them to possibly do something else? Well, the reality is, is that those educators are actually doing a lot of leader development. They don't always call it that. And so how do we just give them some ways to organize their efforts, some additional resources? And that's some of the work that we've been really working towards. So, Tell us about some of the work you're doing now that yeah, um, so I did to that leader development and you. Yeah, so for for 10 plus years, I worked with a great team at CCL and I ended up leaving there a couple of years ago and wanted to continue to grow this work. And so I, I went back and got a master's actually. So I got a booster shot of, you know, education focused in on learning sciences, technology. So it was this great program at UNC Chapel Hill called Mighty, M-E-I-T-E. -E, and it's a Masters of Educational Innovation, Technology, and Entrepreneurship. And it was very experiential or project-based learning, which aligned perfectly with me. So by going there, I was able to take what I learned at CCL, take all that I had been doing, and think about how do I go deeper into organizing and developing a framework and such that can really empower educators and young people. And so another Leadership Forum community member, Chris Ream, at the 100th Leadership Forum, we had a big education group that was there. And it was there that Chris and I really started talking about, well, hey, could we write a book around the concept of democratizing leadership in schools? And so what Chris said is he's just like, yeah, you know, as we started writing this, he said, we need a framework to actually organize all of this. And I was like, Chris, last thing the world needs is another damn leadership framework, partly because I was so skewed and biased towards the great models and frameworks that CCL has and other research-based ones that I've been introduced to. But in building this new framework called SLOPE, we really recognized, yes, self-leadership is important for the S. L, learning, the learning sciences, learning about a domain, learning to learn, all of those things are critical. 
and then others for the O. Leading with others is absolutely critical, but what we often leave out is the idea of practice. And so practice is a great big umbrella that we can say then, where are the practice opportunities in the environment for young people? And what in the environment are enablers or blockers of a young person stepping up to have a practice leadership experience? So I could talk more about all of these things, but ultimately what we've been doing is using this framework to develop what's called the Democratizing Leadership Exchange. It's a platform that houses free next generation resources for educators, or anyone really that falls under that bucket of being an educator, being somebody that supports the development of young people or students. And that can be students too, because students can facilitate and do great work actually with their peers. So Joel, what's on the exchange? I mean, if, what would we expect to, what could an educator expect to, to glean from that? Well, Sue, I respond to that smiling because I know you know a little bit of what's on there bit, um, yeah. because you've helped develop some of the great modules on there. So like the strength through struggle module is one to take into consideration the context that students and educators are living through right now of all of the ambiguity, all of the challenge, all of the unknown that individually and collectively people are trying to figure out how to lead through. And we do use that language of lead um, through because we all, just as the framework of SLOPE says, we all need to learn how to lead our lives, right? Just how do you lead yourself? And so we're all doing that right now, sometimes really well and sometimes really poorly. But as you know, we, we talked to a number of educators that when we said, hey, we think integrating leadership into schools is really important and lots of schools have been doing this for a while, but not as many as should, partly because of the, the challenge of doing it. But when we talked to educators, they said the only way that you could integrate something is A, it needs to be short nuggets, so like 20 minutes. And secondly, it needs to address some of the current challenges, right? Ambiguity, perseverance, you know, all that's taking place in this COVID crazy world that we're living in. And so this strength through struggle module kind of has three columns to it that are each about 20 minutes long, but it's meant to be really simple that an educator or even a student could actually go through once or just read over, kind of take off the shelf and facilitate some conversation, have a dialogue with their peers. And hopefully that provides them a moment to think about maybe how have they overcome challenge in the past, you know, better understand the challenge they're living through right now and different strategies that they could go through. And then how do they apply some of this to ones that, you know, maybe they're still struggling with or ones that they might predict are just around the corner in the future, but build that bench strength for their capabilities. So lots of tools and resources out there on the exchange for people. Yeah, I think that's great, Joel, because as you're talking, I'm just envisioning this happening. So I'm, I'm already feeling like I'm visualizing the success of what you're talking about because it can be incorporated into schools or into organizations or wherever in relation to even if, whether it's a leadership course or it could be tied into really any subject that's already happening because it's it's how you 
It's how you apply things you're learning in science or math, or you can really apply it to almost any subject that already exists. So that anchor could be really important. And then the dream would be that it gets its own subject <laughs> as part of the world moving forward. So leadership is just just as prevalent as math, science, reading. Well, and, so, and you know, you have it. that you have that mindset of you know knowing that leadership benefits every dimension of your life, right? Mm -hmm. And so how can everyone have access to that? How can it pay dividends on everyone's life? And so, yeah, that that's the power, that's the magic. And, you know, how do we do that? You know, it's, it's kind of simple in concept to talk about and think about. But then when you think about the challenges and all that educators have to do, it's the integration that becomes really important. And, you know, I've witnessed educators, brilliant educators, you know, integrate this into math, you know, integrate this into reading, integrate this into every subject. And it's, and it's almost just like those, those magical moments sometimes show up when you have the language. And so that's, I think, some of the piece of this is when you have the mindset, when you have some of the language, you can navigate that. So yeah, it's really exciting. And, you know, maybe a question for you all is, and, and I'll start uh -oh, maybe wait for a minute. You. That's not how this works. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you know, I got to turn it back to you because you're a part, yeah. you all are partners in this. And so Sue, you know, what have you heard that's been really important about integrating this into schools? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I feel like I hear it everywhere. And maybe it's because I'm looking for it, but it's still so incredibly uh, relevant in today's world. I hear it from my husband, who's a teacher, and he's watching the eighth graders go through the changes, the rapid changes in this world, all of the different challenges and struggles and opportunities they're, that they're facing right now. So I feel like people are young people are very hungry for answers. They're hungry to collaborate. They're hu hungry for solutions and for being a part of the solution. And I see it in my own kids. I have five <laughs> at my house and I think I learn more about leadership from them than anybody else in the whole world. I think that we have such an incredible challenge in front of us, but such an amazing responsibility and opportunity to help students because they don't need that much. They don't have these strong mental models that are holding them back or limiting them. So just little nuggets of leadership development of ideas, thoughts, and empowering beliefs can do a world of difference. Well, and you named um, being a parent of five helps you learn so much, you know, and I think when we talk about educators, when we think about designing these resources and tools for educators, parents are educators too, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so we need to actually help parents have the right mindsets and thoughts about what leadership is and isn't as well so that they can reinforce and think about the partnership then across educators and parents if they had mm -hmm. some of the same language. So Rebecca, I see you nodding. I know you have thoughts to contribute <laughs> too. I'm like jumping up and down inside because, you know, for our audience, Sue Poey and I all joined the leadership forum when we first started our business, Upspire Leadership. And I had actually gone that first summer when they, we had a conference. And I think I approached you, Joel, during that summer to talk about how a big part of the reason we started our business was because we wanted to accelerate leadership development in youth. And we made a conscious decision to start with companies because it's what we knew. 
and we had this vision that if we could just start helping people and companies start to see the value of leadership development, then maybe we could partner with these companies to sponsor programs for youth, knowing that they're building a pipeline of leaders for the future. And so part of what I'm thinking about is like when you were talking about parents, I'm thinking, yes, parents, I hear so much from parents in our programs and parents in my community about what can we do to help our children through these difficult times and to prepare for a better future. And I'm curious to know from you, like, what are some of the challenges that you're hearing in terms of how can we make this happen? Because it seems so obvious what you said in the beginning, like, why not start teaching young people to be leaders? Like, why aren't we unlocking that potential and setting them up for success when they're young? Because it's, it always perplexed me. Why do we wait till people are like mid-career to start developing them as leaders? It, it just seems way too late. Like we already have these mental models and it's, it's hard to unlearn so, so much of the things that we've learned, but why aren't we starting younger to start expanding our thinking? Because it's the minds of youth that are the most creative. So I'm just curious to hear what are some of the challenges that you've heard or seen that are getting in the way of us being able to think bigger and act bolder and collaborate better so that we can be achieving more collective success as it relates to leadership development. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of challenges. And honestly, one big challenge is adults are the problem because we have mindsets or we have egos that really steal opportunities for other people to step into a learning experience, a leadership experience. And so, you know, that's really tough for us to think about it because I know I get impatient with my kids or with young people. And, you know, the way to apply this to adults is to think about, okay, when you say you're a manager, right, and you're hiring somebody, you're going to need to nurture and support them, but you also need to let them get kind of skinned knees or, you know, fall down and fail a little bit because that's where some of the struggle and the learning takes place. But we often coddle young people a great deal. I remember reading something from or listening to something from Malcolm Gladwell, and he actually shared an example of how orphans actually grow independence in a way that, of course, other children don't. And in some ways, you know, they are growing different types of leading self characteristics because no one's there to get in their way or steal the opportunity. I mean, it sounds a little bit harsh, but, you know, often because of time bound challenges or because of you know, egos too, you know, so I think this plays out in a real challenging way for teachers too, because you have teachers that are the subject matter experts in the front of the room and are really challenged with passing on information. And you can do that in a number of ways, but sometimes, you know, sometimes we're just so concerned with passing on the knowledge that the experience, the dialogue, the meaning making or even the practice opportunity back to almost the slope framework, sometimes we just don't provide enough of that. So another example, and you can cut some of this or not, um, you know, so an, exactly. another example to think about this with how adults can steal a learning is if you put adults and young people into an experiential activity, 
the adults are as excited sometimes about wanting to jump in and solve the challenge, right? Or sometimes they they step in and you know they're actually not realizing it, but they're actually doing it, or they're letting this the younger people look up to them and tell them what to do. And that's really when you need to take that step back. So there's a lot of times we talk about stepping up and stepping back as leaders. And as we get older, for those people that are younger, we need to learn how to step back so that those can, other people can step in and try potentially new innovative ways too. But that's a struggle, as I said, because of ego, because of, mindsets about maybe not everyone can be a leader yeah there's many and there's many other challenges to doing this so yeah i love that joel and as you were talking i was thinking about even we were just talking to a group of leaders right before this about the definition of failure and one of the leaders said that she just is trying to teach her kids that failure either doesn't exist or it's an awesome thing (laughs) and i feel like that's something that we struggle with as teachers, as parents, I'm just thinking about it even just from my own standpoint, because my kids, if they fail an exam or fail an assignment or something like that, it's literally devastating. But however, I will say that it's devastating, but it shouldn't be because I watch them bounce back from those failures and go talk to the teacher, learn it deeper, understand it more than when they do okay or good on, a, on an exam. It's almost like it, it triggers something if you let it, if we let it as society. Um, so we just have to like really change some mental models so that we can, we can um, develop at such a, at a youth in a, such a positive way. I love it. Rebecca, I also thought I heard you trying to say something too and wasn't sure if we were gonna miss out on a golden nugget. And we haven't heard from Poe too, so. No, everything we're talking about really resonated. I mean, definitely as a parent, I sometimes feel like I have to step away. Like I feel like sometimes I'm guilty of being the know-it-all and just jump in and give them the answer. And, you know, so I feel like this conversation is so key. And I feel like the same thing could happen in organizations and, you know, where we could be without knowing, right? We have, you know, even though it's, it's, coming out of good intention, but you're right. Like, I love when you said how we can inadvertently steal the opportunity from our young people to, to be who they are, to, to show to us what they know. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that was, that was powerful for me as you guys were talking. I'm like, yeah, how can I be a better parent? How can I be a better colleague? How can I be a better coach? I was thinking when you were sharing that story, I was thinking about, I always see like so many parallels between management and parenting. Like people oftentimes when they're managers are afraid to delegate and they hold onto this control. And when they do that, they disempower their team and they, they, they steal opportunities for them to learn and to grow. And, and a lot of it is, is based upon that control, that sense of control, that ego, and also that fear of failure. And some of it's self-protective, like, or protective of the, not just themselves, but of others. They want to protect them. So, and it's just interesting in terms of like the parallel with parenting too. And I see so many parallels between, I even thought about writing a book about it once, but like the parallels of like parenting. And as I become a parent, and as we're talking about this, about what happens and how there's so many common mindsets in that, in that space and how, if we could just change our 
mindsets and open up our thinking, how much more we can unlock potential of others. And we need, we really need the talent and the gifts of each person as we face this world that is just seems to be getting more challenging by the second. Yeah. You think about whether it's the polarization in the United States or different cultures around the world that don't get along, you know, you know, it's an interdependent world and leadership skills, you know, continuing to learn and grow as a leader is, you know, how we continue to, to grow and learn how to connect with a wide, wide range of people. And, you know, we're going to need to be able to bridge these boundaries that exist in the world to really be able to hopefully have a world for everyone to live on. So this is why it's the critical skills in many ways that, that I think. And, you know, that actually, when we talk about critical skills, that triggers another element of the challenge of how do you do this in schools? There's no doubt that there's just brain development is taking place in a young person. And then there are subjects that are deemed entirely important and they are for a young person to learn and grow. So, you know, when you don't have enough time to do everything, you need to focus on something. But I guess that's why, you know, Sue, earlier you said, hopefully leadership can be a subject in school. And I think it should be something that people study but I also think that, you know, if we integrate it into uh, and it not be a subject, if we just integrate it into all the other subjects and activities, then I think it becomes like a sweetener. So uh, Lyndon Rago, who is my boss at CCL and longtime friend and thought partner, he always uses the metaphor of sweet tea here in North Carolina, because that's where I am. And he's like, you know, leadership is like the sugar that goes in sweet tea and it enhances it. And so how can we think about integrating leadership into the other subjects and experiences? And that's easily done when you think about, you know, group projects, right? How many people have had a really poor experience with a school group project, right? Well, if you just give them a few tools and help them understand a little bit, something as simple as people have different working preferences, and that's a good thing for your team, but it also might be a challenge to work through, right? So if we just gave them some tools to integrate there, that would be great. Or if you're reading a book about, and it could be a history book, or it could be, you know, uh, another story that you're reading, you can have moments where, how is this person acting as a leader right there? right? Or how is this person acting as a effective or a bad leader? You know, there's all sorts of opportunities, but everyday life presents opportunities for us to go there should we choose, especially around what's your daily leadership challenge, right? And that could be about leading with your group project team. That could be you know, just simply having the self-discipline to execute on a homework assignment. So there's subjects that are barriers, there's mindsets that are barriers, there are adults and other people that can step in and steal. The reality is, the question is, how do we find more practice opportunities for young people so that everyone can step into them? I love that. And and how do we create those experiences? And I love your concept about integration. And as you're talking, I was thinking 
not only about leadership, but other elements of, that are related to leadership, like diversity, equity, and inclusion. If that, that could be integrated and belonging, that could be integrated into every, every subject. And, and just even thinking about hearing you talk, the possibilities for what schools could look like not too far of the future is really, there's so much opportunity there. I love that. Well, when you think about that bucket, you know, if you think about the five elements of slope, you know, self-learning, learning to learn, learning sciences, a domain, others, practice and environment. When you think about that bucket of others, right, you know, leading with others is the challenge. And so diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging is all in that bucket, right? You know, and so that can take many different shapes and forms with curriculum, with experiences, with self-study, anything. But the question becomes, okay, you know, how do you do this? And what's fascinating um, either with some of the work and frameworks that we built at CCL or the slope framework is if you start with practice or you start with changing your world type of opportunities, you can actually almost start to backwards map from there and be like, okay, this is a project. This is something that I'm really passionate about, about making a difference. It could be a service learning. It could be an entrepreneurial endeavor, but you're doing something that you're like, boy, because of relationships, because of the meaning that's connected with this, I need to do this better. And then when you walk it back and you're like, okay, well, you know what? I need to lead better with others to accomplish this. So then you're like, okay, well, what do I need to do just within myself that is going to enable me to work better, to lead better with others so that I can create this impact? So sometimes a lot of young people don't come through the door of leader because they have a concept that leaders are going to tell you what to do and I don't want to tell my friends what to do. But if you come through the door of service or a project or such, you know, then they're all in it together. And then they start to think about, well, how do we do this together? And it's about stepping up and stepping back and creating some sort of a positive impact. So those are all kind of pieces that connect in this process. Love that, Joel. And as you know, you're giving us so many things to think about and the possibilities are endless. Uh, so we want to hear a little bit more about your heart and your brain <laughs> and your ideas through the lightning round, uh, yes. because it, even though these are, you know, questions that are meant to have brief responses, they, they really capture a summary of everything that you've been talking about and give, giving us more to think about. So are you ready for the lightning round? Sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. So the first question is what leadership trait does the world need most? Um, I think it's empathy, you know, empathy mm -hmm. and depth in some capacity, you know, the ability to connect with others and understand really, you know, where they're from, where they're coming from as a way to build a bridge and try to work together. So that was a longer answer than you might be looking for, but I couldn't help but go there. No, that was perfect. And it was brilliant and beautiful. So thank you. The next question, and feel free to elaborate a little bit here too, because I know this is important to you, but who do you know that best models this trait and why? Yeah, so I can't help but to think about, you know, Mark Johnson, somebody that was so much a part of the leadership forum. You know, he was just somebody who 
Um, he recently passed away, so he actually died on Indigenous Peoples Day, which was perfect because he was always fighting for the rights of other people. And he always talked about how do you increase your leadership consciousness, your own consciousness, and how does it help you understand yours and other people's agency to create positive change? So I can't help but to think about Mark and an empathetic leader, a conscious leader, and how to you know, leverage the agency you have to, to make good for other people. Love that. And I love how you know, you're bringing up empathy and then Mark's, Mark Johnson's gift to the world from an empathy standpoint and, for, and from so much more from a leadership standpoint and his legacy absolutely lives on through you and through so many others. So thank you for that. Yeah. So what do you believe that almost no one else believes? And feel free to be wild here. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one, you know, because I think, you know, the concept of democratizing leadership is more prevalent than it was probably 10, 12 years ago. But I think in my heart of hearts, you know, all along, I've known that everyone has leadership potential inside them. And I really believe that we can integrate this into schools everywhere. And, you know, I believe the world would be a very different place if people had these skills. And there's still gonna be challenges, but I just imagine a world that would live more in peace. Hey, um, I Joel, that. I wanna ask you a just quick follow-up question on that. When you say yeah. everyone has leadership potential, what does that mean? How are you defining leadership potential? Yeah, I think everyone has unlocked potential inside them. And whether it's their mindset or their context, or maybe their interpretation of the context in which they are in, I think, you know, everyone can find something that brings meaning to their life and helps them create positive impact. And then you can't imagine many things in the world that don't require doing it with other people. So, you know, it's about what are you passionate about? And then, you know, how do you connect with others or convince others or work with others to get that done? And everyone has different skills and capabilities that will be learned or that, you know, can, can develop. You know, I just believe there's so much more inside all of us. And I think that comes with, you know, how do we lead ourselves, right? And all of the different elements that could be underneath there and lead with others. And I think that's in the end, the, the big thing to create some impact. Great, thank you. I love that, Joel. And and I think that's perfectly said. And I think that was important to be said. And I, it's, um, I have one last lightning round question and then yeah. we're gonna end on a high note, but I just have to share with you that you're sparking, you know, such great passion, energy, interest, and ideas in us like you always do and hope, and I'm sure in all of our listeners as well. And one of the things when you were talking about your wild beliefs that almost no one else believes. I feel like that you're, you're helping the world open up and awaken to that. And there's so many different applications, whether it be schools. And I was just thinking of all the sports teams out there that benefit, that are starting to benefit from leadership development. But if we can integrate it into sports, what a great way to practice, right? Yep. I mean, it's, 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 it's part of sports. And leadership development is starting to sneak its way into integrate into that as well and has been, but it could be so much more. So I don't know, you're just making ideas flow and we appreciate you for that. So with that being said, the last lightning round question is, 
What is your biggest wish for the world right now? For some reason, money is on my mind in the sense that in the U.S. we've just come off of big elections that lots of people have donated money towards. And I can't help but to wonder what, what would be possible in the world if some of those funds could be redirected to other causes. I think there's so much more that can be done and it just needs to be resourced. I think that's one. Ask the question again for me because I, I might have taken it yeah, in a slightly I love, different I love direction. Your first answer. And when you said money, I, I was thinking that I didn't know where you were going with that because <laughs> my kids would say that. Uh, but but actually, they're very they're they're that's the wisdom of a child. But I love that as a biggest wish for the world right now because sometimes we forget that our priorities will drive success, and and we have to sometimes just reprioritize or reexamine what we're prioritizing. But the question is, what is your biggest wish for the world right now? You answered it beautifully, but continue if you'd like to. Well, not turning it into much of a lightning round. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's good. I mean, you know, it also connects with all of my other answers around, you know, wanting every young person, every person in the world to live a life of meaning, purpose. And, you know, that can be found in big and little ways. And, you know, I think that's, I think there's lots of barriers. And so resources, whether that's money or, or other experiences, you know, how do we, how do we enable people to have more of the experiences that unlocks them? And so, yes, it's, you know, how can we bring leader development to everyone everywhere? Yeah. And you just opened up the magic secret that we can all be involved in somehow. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a teacher. It doesn't have to be a coach. It doesn't have to be a parent. It could be all of us working collectively together to make it happen. And it's just a whole bunch of tiny things that make a big difference. So Love that, Joel. And I'm going to turn things over to Puyi for the, the ending on a high note, our flip, because I feel like I want to just sit here and talk to you forever, but I know that we'll just, ha we'll just schedule another podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So or just a call. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Joel, at the core of our business is what we call the upspiral leader mindset. And I know we're, you're very familiar with it. So this is where we teach leaders to think bigger by flipping limiting beliefs into possibilities for more collective success. So at the end of each of our podcasts, we will share one limiting belief with our guest. And for you, we want you to help us replace this limiting belief with a more empowering one so that we can produce better results. So Joel, can you help us reframe the following limiting belief? Leadership development is for grown-ups. Leadership development is for grown-ups. And if grown-ups got it earlier, they would even have a bigger impact. So how do we get it to young people everywhere so that we all can even have a bigger impact? Thank you. Thank you. That's really awesome. Yes. And I feel like that's definitely you know, really what I find most resonating in our conversation today. I mean, a lot of what we talked about really resonated, but really thank you so much for everything you you shared with us. Um, I, I just love the idea of democratizing leadership. I don't have to tell you more. We talked about that so many times, but also thank you for highlighting the framework of slope and how important it is that we incorporating practice into our environment, right? And you're right, if we give young people that opportunity to do that early in their career, just imagine how that 
will transform not just our schools, but our communities and, and each of our lives. Uh, because without really, you know, thinking about it more, I feel like we do forget sometimes we can learn so much from our young people. And I, I just love your point about we just have to get out of the way <laughs> and, and let their talent shine, let their potential um, be reached. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And you, you named something there that we can't help but to shine a, a more focused light on, which is, you know, by adults sometimes getting out of the way and providing practice opportunities, we actually can learn so much from them. Yes. You know, every single time, you know, you flip it to them, you're just like, oh, wow look at that idea. I would have never thought of that. So yeah, there's some great reverse mentoring and such that can happen too. And that, yes, that's definitely what's kind of going through my mind, you know, as I was listening, like, how can I, how can I be curious and, you know, and let, let my kids and, you know, people I work with share their thoughts, their ideas, and, and maybe, you know, let that, let them enlighten me, let them, you know, teach us. Um, so I, again, thank you, Joel, for an amazing conversation. And uh, just like Sue said, and we cannot wait to bring you back um, because we feel like everything that you share, I feel like if we just implement a port, like a little bit of it, right? Imagine how much more we can all achieve. Imagine how much we can really advance our collective consciousness, like you mentioned, and how we really can make this world a better place. And I know that's your intention. Um, so thank you again for being here with us. Yeah, well, you, you all are doing great work, the three of you, and nothing but love and respect for you. Same to you. Ditto. Thank you. <laughs> Bye for now. Thank Bye you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Upspiral Leadership. If you enjoyed this show and want to join us in co-creating change, please email us at upspiralleadership at gmail.com. You can also support the show by leaving us a like and review on Apple Podcasts or by sharing this episode with your friends and colleagues. Thanks again and stay inspired.